0: Shalom to all. Today's daf is Kedush and daf Samachalef, and we are starting Samacham and Beyes, the third to last word on the daf. And today's daf is sponsored Lili Nishmas, Mars Merim Sarabas Rabiakav Mashah, Her Nishamashah have an and Lili Nishmas, Mars Fredechayabela, Yubela, Rabiakav 2, Hernish Nishamashah have an And Aesar Yili Yakav, so let's all remember to david and learn Beschos all those being Meister Nefesh for Am Yisrael, that they should be Bari and Shalim in body and soul, and that we should have a Yeshua Bakar of Mamish. Now the Mishnah spoke of a man being Makadesh al Manas, that he has a base car of land. And the Gemara now discusses how to measure Land in the context of hektish and the sale eventually bring the discussion back to kedushin. So Kumar says says, hektish tenan. in regards to hektish, it's taught in the Mishnah. Some chalaf on the top, someone who's makish their field at the time of Yovel, meaning when the Yovel cycle was in effect, so there was a set price to redeem the land from hektish. And how much is that? shekel kesef for every piece of land that a chimer of barley can be planted in, he pays fifty silver shekel to redeem it. And a chaimer is a car. The Mishnah continues. Let's say there were clefts or ditches that were ten tefachim deep. Or rocks that were ten high, ima, they're not measured with the land. Emikan, however, if they're less than ten ima, then they're measured with the land. Bon, we ask on that Mishnah. De we understand they're not hectish along with this land. Meaning, when we make the cheshbin of fifty silver shekels per base car, these rocks or ditches are not included. They should be hectish on their own. Meaning, we should make a separate cheshbin based off of fifty shekel per base car just for these ditches and rocks. And then Afkan would be is that we wouldn't measure the slope. If we measure them with the land, then we would measure the slope of. Of the ditch or the rock. if we measure them separately, then we don't measure the slope. But the question is, they should still be counted based off of the 50 silver shekel per base car measurement. And Chitema says to Gemara, if you want to say, have a base car, if these things themselves are not the size of a base car, so they're not counted because they're smaller than a base car, that can be because we are min, we have a stira, we have rest that tells us, the Passock says, a field, meaning if a person's makdish their field. What's the Passock teaching us? never since the Passock says, that an area of barley can be planted in is redeemed for 50 shekel. I only know this applies if he was Makdesh this amount of land. How do I know if he's Makdesh even one of these sizes of lands, which is much less than a car? mean where do I know this from? Tom will learn because the Pesach says, And what do we learn from here? No matter how big or small the sada is, the redemption is based off this 50 silver shekel per base car. answers. Over here, we're talking about clefts or ditches that are filled with water. And who, since one can't plant in them, that's why they're not measured as part of the land at all. One would still have to redeem them, but it's based off of a totally different redemption process, it's just the value of that hole with water, and again, not based off of this 50 silver shekel per base car. And the it's actually, we're talking about ditches that are filled with water, because the Mishnah says that they're compared to these tall rocks, and tall rocks, also, one can't plant on them. We see from here. Even if they're less intent, they still shouldn't be counted as part of the land, and they should have a totally separate cheshbin. So my answer is no. If it's a ditch that's less in Tentvachim, it's called the basin of the land. And if it's a rock that's taller than Tentvachim, Shedra da Mikru, it's called the spine of the land, which means it's part of the land and it's not looked at as a separate entity. Now, this has to do with Hektish, and the bottom line is that if we have a ditch or a rock which is deeper or taller than tentfachim, then it is counted as part of the land. However, in regards to a sale, it's taught if a person tells his friend, base I'm selling you an entire base car of land, Mukuma Sartvachim by Islam and their ditches that are ten deep or rocks that are tentvachim tall, they're not measured with it. If it's less than that, then they are measured with it. And if Arama says, in Malay That's even if these ten ditches are not filled with water. They're still not measured with the land. And my time of why is that? Because I'm our papa. papa says, A person doesn't want to pay for one field because you're like a shnayim and it's going to look to him like two or three places. In other words, if a person buys a base car of land, and there's a whole bunch of ditches or rocks inside. They're ten fachim deep or tall. So even though these ditches are not filled with water, and he's able to plant in them. He has to treat them totally different than the land. They're not on the same level as the rest of the field, and he's not interested in having to take care of them separately, and that's why the Mecher would have to give him extra land so that he has a full base car of flat land and not including these ditches. So bringing bring this back to Yushin. The Gemara asks, Hochamai. what about over here? Let's use a woman on condition that he has a base car of land. Do we count those ditches that are 10 Tafachim or not? Do we compare it to Hekdesh, and we count those ditches that are 10 Tafachim deep, as long as they don't have water in them, or do we compare it to a Mecher, and if they're 10 Tafachim deep, even if they don't have water in them, we don't count it as Part of the land. So, my answer is, it's logical to say that we compare it to Hektish, and as long as they don't have water in them, it is considered as part of the land. Why is that? Because he could tell her, Anot is our owner, my son. I'm going to be the one that's triach and planned and bring it. You're not the one that's working the land, I'm working the land. And therefore, even though the ditch is ten falchim deep, as long as it doesn't have water in it, it's considered part of the land. And therefore, if he has a full base core of land, including these ditches, she would be mikudashas. And now moving on to another Mishnah, which is very key in the discussion of Tanai of stipulations. And the following introduction is important. And this is the discussion of Tanai Bnei God Bnei Ruvain. What's the story? So Sheva God and ruvein approached Moshe Rabbeinu requesting to be granted their portion Yardin, on the eastern side of the Jordan River, also known as Eretz Gilud. The reason for this is because they had a lot of flocks and there was ample pasture there. Now Mash Rabenu told them as follows: if you come across the Jordan and fight for Etsy along with your brethren, you'll receive it. If not, you'll receive a portion of Artsy Show proper like everyone else. Now, knowing that the Mishnah tells us from Mayor Emir, if Mayor says, Call Tanah Ruvain, any Tanai, any stipulation that's not like this Tanai Bene Gobne Ruven," any tonight, it's not a valid Tanay. Shenamar the Pusak says, By Lame, he told them, meaning Majinu told them, Im Yavrubbene Gomne Ruvain, Ibn A Gumbai Ruvain, go across, then they'll get the entire Eretz Gilad the entire eastern side of the Jordan River. Okay, so then the next passage says that Moshe Benu told them Vim yabru that if they don't go across, then they're going to get in Eretz Yisrael. So Rav May learns from here that every Tanai, in order to be valid, it needs to be doubled. That's called a Tanai Kafel. Namely, if the condition's met, the agreement's valid. And if it's not met, then the agreement is not valid. Another way to say this is that we do not say alav, that we infer the negative from the positive. And if the Tanai is not Kafel, then even if the Tanai is not fulfilled, they still would receive their portion However, Eber HaYardin. However, and he says, no, a does not need to be kuffle, because from the yes, we do understand the no. The only reason why Moshe Rabbeinu had to double it over here is because he had to say it. If not for that, if he wouldn't have clarified for them that they're going to get the portion in Eretz Yisrael if they don't fight, then it would be that they wouldn't get a portion even in Eretz Yisrael if they don't fight. That's why Moshe had to clarify for them, don't worry. If you don't go across, you're still going to get a portion in Eretz Yisrael. But does not need to be kuffle, it does not need to be doubled. So I think Mar analyze this. It seems to be that Rebchaninu Gamlil has a good time to try Meir. So Rebchaninu to Meir. So will tell you, If you want to say the Pasuk is not teaching us that a Tanai needs to be a Tanai Kaful, so in Lichtov, all the Pasuk should say is, If you don't go across, then you're going to get a portion among them. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to expressly say, in Eretz Kenan? It must be that it's for the Tanai Kaful, namely it must be that every single Tanai has to be doubled. Rebchaninu Gamlil, you'd respond by saying, in if the Pasuk would not have written Eretz Kanan, Havamina, I would think that what was Moshe Rabbeinu telling them? That they're going to get their portion in Eretz Gilad. But they're not going to get any portion in Eretz Kanan. In other words, if Moshe Rabinu would not have told them Eretz Kanan, I would think that they're still going to get a portion. However, their portion is going to be one twelfth of Eretz Gilad. They're not going to get the entirety of Eretz Gilad like they wanted, but they'll still get a twelfth of it in Eretz Gilad because the other 11 portions are going to be split up among the rest of the B'nai Yisrael. And in Eretz Yisrael proper, they're not going to receive anything. And that's our be not to tell them, don't worry, even if you don't go across, you're also going to get a portion in Eretz Canaan. Now, for Meir, he would respond to that by saying, the word B'saychichem tells us, de that wherever there is to be inherited, you're going to get an inheritance, namely, you're going to get both in Eretz Gilad and in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Rav Meir sticks to his guns, that when it says, Canaan, that means that Canaan needs to be Tanai I And the Gemara continues explain, this time you have a bride. So, says, What's this compared to? To a person who's dividing his possessions up among his sons, Amr, he says, Plainibini, let's say Ruvain, my son, the sodoplinus, he's gonna get this field. Uplainibini and Shemon, my son, your the plainis, he's gonna get that field. Uplainibini and Levi, my son, Yitan Masayim Zoos, he has to pay two hundred Zoz V your the plainis, and he'll get this third field. Vimlo Yitain, and if he doesn't give the two hundred Zoz, Yer Shem Echov Bishar Nachim, he's gonna get with his brothers with all the other Nukhasim. And me Garmoy Lir Shem Achov Bishar what causes him to get with his brothers in the rest of the Nchasim? Kvaila Garmloi. It's the fact that his father repeated himself. That's what allows him to get with the other Nukhasim. In other words, what Ruchanim Gamil is saying is that with out the father's second statement, if the son does not give 200 zos, he would only receive a portion with the other brothers of that field, that third field that was technically designated for him, but nothing of the two fields that the first two brothers were given. And the father's repetition grants the brother a portion of those first two fields as well, even if he doesn't give the 200. And that's what Mesh Rabbeinu's second statement accomplished as well. Even if Bnei Gubb, Ruvein didn't fight, they still receive a portion in Eretz Yisrael along with the rest of Bnei Yisrael. the more of Mashal The Mashal doesn't match up with the Mishnah. Hassan Kitani over there in the Mishnah told us, yes, beretz that if Moshua Rabbeinu wouldn't have repeated himself, it's mashma that they wouldn't have gotten, even in Eretz Yisrael. What does that mean? It shows us that Moshua Rabbeinu's repetition helped them even to get in Gilad. In other words, Moshua mashma from the Mishnah, that if Moshua Rabbeinu would not have repeated himself, they wouldn't have received anything, not in Eretz Yisrael, and not Bevar Yardain. But over here in the Bridesma, Moshua Rabbeinu is telling us, what's causing him to inherit with his brothers in the- the rest of the Nechasim, which is compared to Eretz Yisrael, that's the father's repetition. Ah, oh, but what does that tell us? That the father's repetition helped for the other Nechasim, in our case, that's referring to Eretz Yisrael, but Mashmad, if the father would not have repeated himself, the brother would still get an equal portion in that third field that was designated for him, so his Brysa is not comparable to the Mishnah. So, there's no question, meaning there's no steer in between Divir B'chanim in our Mishnah and in the brisa. Ha, make me the name later of Meir B'nai And the Mishnah B'chanim was responding to Rav Meir before Rav Mayor. gave. Gave him his explanation of the word v'naychazu in the pasuk. Halabasur the name layer of Meir v'naychazu. Over here in the brayso, Reb Chani is explaining based off of Reb Meir's response to him and how he understands the word So then we have a Meir, Reb Meir and Reb Whether or not we need a Tanai kafel, we're going to explore a number of Sukkim in the Torah where it seems to be that we need a Tanai kafel. And the first one has to do with right at the beginning of the creation. Parsha's brayshes. Cain and Hevel, the two sons of Adam each brought a carbun. Hevel's was accepted and Cain's was not. And the discussion revolves around what Hashem told Cain. Officially, Reb Meir, We understand according to Reb Meir that we need a kafel. This is What's said in the Imtative If you improve, then you'll be given good. If you don't improve, the which over here is being understood as punishment, crashes right by the entrance. In other words, kind is being told that if he improves, he'll receive good, and if he doesn't improve, then he'll get punished. So we need this tanai Kafel El Rambamina a kuntro What do we need this repetition for? All Shemad to is: if you do good, you'll get good, and smash from there that if you don't do good, then you'll get punished. So my answer is no. Sakanai the If it wasn't repetitive, we would have thought imtative agra. If you do good, then you'll get reward. But if you don't do not Good loy agav loy You won't get reward, but you won't get punished. Malan, the chiddush is that no, if you don't do good, you'll actually get punished. The Gemara is this time discussing Avram and Eliezer. When Eliezer found Rivka as wife for Yitzchak, he recounted to her family a discussion he had with Avram, who made him swear that he's not going to bring a wife for Yitzchak from the Kananim. Eliezer asked Avram, but let's say she doesn't want to go with me. So Avram responded, if that's the case, then you're free from the shvua. And this is viewed as a Tanai kufel. You're bound by the shvua that you must go to my family and not the Kananim. But if she doesn't go with you, then you're not bound by the shvua and you're allowed to go to the K'nanim. So we analyze We that's why the Pasuk says, meaning that's why Avram Ravinu told Eliezer, then you'll be clear from my Shavuah, because we need Tanai Kafel. According to him, what do we need this repetition for? So my answer is no, it's we still need it. I would have thought, that if she, this wife that you find, Eliezer, wants to come, but her family doesn't want you to come, I'm telling you that you're not free from the Shvua and you would have to bring her against their will. And that's what Avram Revinu was telling Eliezer by repeating himself, that if the family doesn't want, don't bring her against their will and you're free from my shvua. The Gemara just explores more, so why did Avram Vino have to say that if she doesn't want to come, you're free from the shvua? The Gemara answers, it's was still necessary, I would have thought, that if it was a situation that they wanted the Shidduch, but she didn't want the Shidduch, you should bring her against her will, don't bring her against her will. We go on to another question, we understand the that's why the Pasuk says, if you go on my Chukais, then you'll get good, if you are my chukim, then you're going to get bad. What do we need this second Pasuk for? the Gemara answers, no, it's still necessary. If you go on my chukim, then you'll get bracha. But if you're most on my chukim, you're not going to get bracha or klala. The Gemara continues, We understand If you're willing and you listen, then you'll get good. And if you refuse and you rebel, then you'll get bad. What do we need this, for? So answers, no, so to we need this repetition? for so my answer is, it's still necessary. would have thought? If you're willing, then you'll get good. But if you refuse, you're not going to get good. But you're not going to get bad either. And the chiddush is that you'll actually have bad if you refuse. Now we just analyze another pasuk. What's the understanding of these words? And the question is as follows: If the pasuk would have said that would mean that you'll be devoured by the sword. But it doesn't say that. It says that you will devour a sword, and it's not. Talking about a circus that has sword swallowers. So, what's the Pasuk saying? So, I'm Rav. Rav explains that if you don't behave, you don't listen to the Torah, what's going to happen? Milcha you're going to eat coarse salt, nama kusha with coarse barley bread, and onions. Dry bread baked in a porny, which is a type of oven, bamelach, with salt, and onions. that's bad for the body, like swords. So, that's what to means, you are going to consume swords. In other words, you're going to consume food, which is like eating swords. We're going to stop it for the day, but continue talking about this magical Christmas and may your family for now everyone should have a wonderful day